are now listening to the NYYST Podcast. Welcome back. This is episode 224 of the NYYST Podcast. I'm your host, Christian. As always, joined by my co-host, Chris. Yep. And go Yank. Vacation guy, Rye. Vacation Ooh. guy, Rye. Did he get lost in the Bermuda Triangle? I think it's a staycation. I think he's on staycation. Mm, but I can't, I can't huh? confirm. Uh-huh. Can't confirm. We can confirm that we will have Sal Licata of WFAN and SNY on the show in just a few minutes. Sal gave us about a, a half hour of his time. We talked a little Mets, talked a little Yankees. He called me out for talking shit to him on Twitter. But, hey, in the end, as <laughs> kind of worked out. Anyone who anyone who listens to the show and, and they sit there and they're like, Christian's kind of a douche, right? Listen to this interview because Licata called you out. It was frigging great. But I told him, I was straight up with him. I said, this is our new strategy now. Being nice to people doesn't work. Who, who else did we say? Lance McCullers, right? I was, I was a dick to Lance McCullers. And then, uh, else too. and there was someone else that it started as like a kind of a feud. And then we had him on the show. So that's right, what, who is, this man. is what works. This is what works. Good job by you. Great interview. I mean, great talk, really. Yeah, really. No, we went back and forth with Sal. We touched on uh, the whole thing came about because he he had some comments on SNY after Garrett Cole's performance on opening day. I don't know if I was just in the wrong frame of mind when I saw it, and I like went at him, and you know he went back out at me, and you know what you it know, you know we, what it is. It was tensions were so high because I think we were pissed were off. Like yeah, we, we were pissed off at at the fans and booing then, Stanton and. and and all this that guy is taking a shot at my ace. Yeah. So then it's like, we got to get extra defensive because our own fan base is, is ripping the team apart at the time. So I think you were just a little, you were on edge and the one person, it, like if anyone's going to fuck with anyone, the one person that you, that is off limits right now, at least is Garrett Cole. It's Garrett Cole. And, yeah, and, uh... and, and it triggered you. You were triggered. I was triggered. I, I I gotta admit, I was triggered. I was just triggered like a Stacy that Saturday morning. Yeah, you very rarely triggered, but you you definitely got triggered. He got he got me. I should have told him that. I should have mentioned that in the interview that he triggered me. He really did. You did. Uh, I gotta say, man, <clears throat> it's WrestleMania week. Uh, NXT Takeover is on tonight. I'm expecting a five star match with Adam Cole. Uh, I think hey, we had a five star interview with. Uh, uh, Sal Licata, so I think we should just keep it rolling and get some five-star rating and reviews on iTunes here. Maybe even in like a like or subscribe on YouTube as well. Right. By the way, if you're if you're watching on YouTube, I'll get this out of the way now. The, the interview with Sal is going to be in a separate video on its own right on our page. You can find it. It'll be uploaded right around the same time as the full episode. So Make sure you check it out, whether you watch this first or go back, whatever. Definitely check check that out. We had a we had a really good talk. Yeah. So the Yankees uh, they just completed a three game set with the Orioles. They took two at three. They lost uh, Wednesday night, uh, four to three in eleven innings. We'll get into all that. We'll get into Jamison Tyone's debut. We'll get into why I I was very combative on Twitter the other night and 
because the Yankees did what we thought they were going to do when Garrett Cole pitched the second game of the year, which he absolutely dominated in. So, I mean, we'll discuss all that. Uh, Aaron Judge, mm. he, he could be dead for all we know. We don't, you know, we'll find out we'll never know. at some point. Uh, so there's a lot to get into, but right now we're going to get into an interview with Sal Licata of WFAN and SNY. Chris and Christian of the NYYST podcast on with Sal Licata of SNY and WFAN. Sal, how you doing this evening? Not bad, guys. Now, Christian, what was <laughs> it? You, I mean, you blatantly attack me on Twitter. What is up with that? I mean, come on. I get you're a Yankee fan and maybe you're sensitive to any criticism, but dude, you have to make it personal. I mean, what was it? Did you have the exact tweet? I wish I saved it. Something like no, you're caught, a joke. Yeah. I did. I called you a joke, man. I'm so, I, you know. <laughs> no, <laughs> what listen, do you want me to say? I got to take ownership of it. It's actually, but. it's our tactic to get guests on, on the show. <laughs> Being nice doesn't work anymore. You got to just, you got to go right We had it. Lance McCullers Jr. on a couple years ago, and Chris just went in on him. Like, oh, and I man, was like, I attacked him. <laughs> and the dude is you know, a dude responds he's the nicest guy in the world and and i'm like you know what why don't you come on the show he's like absolutely he's, the guy's a diehard yankee fan growing up so he came on it was great you know what i'm learning here and in, in with twitter first of all i you can't take anything personally so i've tried to learn that that's the case although personal insults it, it's not easy to just ignore them and wave it off but i do learn that a lot of it and i know this anyway it's not it's not anger at me it's frustration about whatever it is it can't be personal because you guys don't know me or whatever on twitter is not knowing me and generally if you respond back with something that becomes first of all it could be any response just any kind of communication but in our case i forget exactly what it was but maybe it took a shot back at you and then it opened some dialogue and then, you know, generally people are nice people. And I, I think the initial tweets can be nasty at times or angry. But generally, if you fight it with a little love and a little kindness, it usually right. is more rewarding. Well, than not. we have I mean, we have people DMing us all the time because we'll, we don't attack anyone more than we attack Yankee fans because the, the, they can be the worst. I mean, and we say all the time, <laughs> we're like, listen, we know 90 percent of you aren't who we're talking about, but it's the 10 percent of you that are the loudest and always always taking the time to tweet and say something stupid, but they'll DM us. Like, this kid came after me, and I keep shouting him out, and he keeps DMing us, like, thanks for the shout-out or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, he DM'd me and attacked me because, I, you know, I attacked the So I was cool with it, but I came back at him, and you know what? At the end of the day, I was like, you know what? But I respect you because you actually took the time to friggin' call me out, and we had a conversation, and that's all you can ask for at that point. Maybe yeah. maybe Christian could have went uh, into a little more detail, but with the uh, with the Twitter character, you know, he he wasn't able to. So that's why he wanted to you know, to have you on. Hey, you know what? You know what? It all worked out in the end. Sal's here. He's going to give us a few minutes here. Uh, Sal's a big Mets fan. Interesting way the Mets won their home opener today, huh? <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, I can't wait to get on the fan. I'll be on the fan later tonight. And just you talk about fans driving you nuts. See, here's the biggest reason why I wanted to come on with you guys, because I have a major issue. Now, I'm not going to lie. I grew up a Mets fan, of course, right? I mean, I'm not pretending that. Grew up a Mets fan. I, I still am a Mets fan. I'm not the same Mets fan that I once was, but I grew up a Mets fan. I mean, going to a ton of games back in the hated days with the Mets and Yankees, those Subway Series when it first started, the Dave Malicki game or the Subway Series, or all those series were so intense, and there was real – I mean, I hated the Yankees back then. 
as I evolve, not only as an adult, but as a sports fan and more importantly, a broadcaster, that I could never approach it like that. I, it's, I'm, it's something I'm very sensitive to. I'll admit it. I am very sensitive to the fact where I, I want to have the Yankee fans respect my opinion on the Yankees because I want to represent New York sports fans. You know, Francesa, who was the greatest to ever do it, he, Met fans listened to what he said, even though he was a Yankee fan. Russo wasn't even a fan of either team, but people respected what those guys right. had to say every day. So that's where I'm at. And I, I know that Yankee fans say, oh, you're a Met fan. That's not why I'm saying that Garrett Cole didn't pitch like an ace. If anything, I think the Yankee fans should agree with me that they should be frustrated that he didn't get the job done as far as protecting that lead on opening day. So that's that's why you kind of got my attention that I am very – I'm not a Yankee hater, even though I am grew up a Met fan – I root for the Yankees now. As a matter of fact, I'll bet almost every night on the Yankees so I specifically have that rooting interest and I'm invested so I can feel the way that you guys do. So that's very – it's something that's very important to me, but I think fans lose that. Same with the Met fans. They get on me, oh, you're not a real fan. No, I'm a broadcaster. Yeah. I call it like it is. I'm not a Met fanboy waving the pom-poms. I, I'm, I'm about telling it how it is. So with the Mets win today, I thought that was uh, that was embarrassing. That's not how you should win a game, home opener, where you're you – Conforto's sticking – instead of looking to get a base hit, he's looking to get hit and sticking his elbow out. I thought that that was cheap. Well, I'll say this. Right. We say this all the time. Like, it's better for when – when New York sports are doing well, I'm not going to sit here. The only time I'm going to root against the Mets is when they're playing the Yankees. Sure. I mean, that's, that's really it because when, when New York sports is doing well, especially over the last handful of years, man, we need, we need some competent teams in New York again, but I watched that game and I got to ask, cause I, I went on your Twitter just to get your take on it. Cause I knew it'd be a hot topic when you came on. See, obviously you're disgusted by it. Is Conforto. This is the first question. Is Conforto a, a likable player? Yeah, I think he is. I mean, I've always liked him since he came up. The problem is the expectations for him were, at least from my perspective, were that he was going to be this middle-of-the-order, well-rounded hitter. He's going to hit with some power. He's going to hit with high average. I mean, Michael Conforto, for his offensive skills, should be a 300 hitter minimum. And I know nobody cares about batting average anymore, but you get the point. He should be a hitter that hits the ball to all fields and is consistent from start to finish of a year and probably hit between 25 and 30 homers and drive in some runs. He hasn't done that. His best year was last year, and that's a shortened season, which you can't put much stock in that. He's had moments. He's had good halves of years. But when he first came up, I think he was better, had more clutch hits. He's been disappointed. He's hitting 260. I mean, he should be a 300 hitter and driving and run. So that maybe bothers me more than even just the one incident today, the fact that he left nine guys on base yesterday in Philadelphia. He's the three hitter. you got to be better than that. And and health hasn't been the issue. It's been lack of performance. I bring that up, and not to get off too off topic, because we do have a list of things we want to talk about. But I only bring that up because I watched the clip real quick. I, you know, in, in real speed, it didn't look that bad. And then they slow it down and it's like, he clearly did it, but I was kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt of, you know, he, his, his stance is kind of over the plate a little bit, but I asked, I asked the question if he's likable, because I thought of it this way. I'm not saying I like both of these guys, obviously DJ and Clint Frazier, but I thought of it this way. If that were DJ LeMayu, I feel like fans of, of, DJ LeMay would have been a lot more forgiving of it. And if it were Clint Frazier, again, not that we don't like him, but he's more of the rebel kind of guy. And he'd be like, that was disgusting what he did. 
And and the the what I saw out of the Conforto incident was a lot of Met fans really not just saying like that was wrong, but that was that was you know disgusting was really the word I saw a lot all over Twitter. I think it's I think it's a good point that you bring up, and it's interesting that you say that. I don't think it's because he's an unlikable guy. I do think it's because he struggled to get a big hit. That's where my fr- do I think the move in itself was disgusting? No, the way that the game ended in that moment. Remember, it's opening day. The Mets are getting you know shut down by the Marlins. Jeff McNeil, it's a huge home run. The crowd goes nuts. Now you're starting to feel energized again. Baseball is back. Home fans at City Field. Bad flip and everything. And you felt like they're going to win that game. Bases loaded, one out for Conforto and then Alonzo on deck. They're going to win that game. You you feel good about them winning the game to win it like that. Mm. That's what I thought was disgusting. And the act itself was cheap for a guy who was going to strike out again in a big spot. And he was looking. His mentality should not be, oh, let me get hit to get on base. It should be, I'm driving in the freaking run here. So he could say whatever he wants afterward. The actions said otherwise. He was looking to get hit with that pitch. I thought it was just a cheap way, and it, it kind of ruined the day for me. The talk is not about the Mets winning on opening day. It's about how they won in that cheap fashion, which we all know it should have been a strikeout. All right, so, you know, Michael Conforto is going to be a big topic amongst Mets, uh, Mets fans this year because he's in a contract year. He's going to want to get paid. Some A guy that got paid is Francisco Lindor. Ten years, $341 million. What's your overall take on the deal? Do you like it? Do you think he's, a, you know, is he worth that type of money? Just, I mean, is anybody yeah. worth that type of money? No, yet? I mean, you know. Yeah. No, but yes, but I mean, <laughs> no, as a player, I do like him. I always Even say in, that baseball players, they live in a different realm than the rest of us. So we can't exactly. compare it to what doctors or lawyers or teachers should be making. But even compare it to other ball players, right? I mean, or other yeah, athletes. Exactly. That's a that's a long time, 10 years, and it's really 11 because he's got this year. Usually those deals don't work out, especially you're talking about for a player who one of the great assets that he has is his athleticism defensively at shortstop. That's going to go away now that we're past the steroid era for the most part guys are going to decline as they get older so you know you're eating the final three four whatever years it may be at a contract but they had to do it I mean the Met fan needed this the Yankees always get that and even with them it's been a little different in recent years where they're actually more conscious of the way that they're spending money and the luxury tax threshold with the Mets they haven't been in on big names big name free agents or big name players in general in about 10 years so they went out and made that acquisition they had to sign them do I love the idea that it's $340 million for 10, you know, 10 additional years? No, but ultimately it's not my money, so I don't care. As long as it doesn't prevent them, which I don't think it will, with Steve Cohen taking over from getting other players in, I have no no issue with it. Yeah, and for me, it's like, you know, if the if the shortstop class of the of the free agency coming up wasn't so strong, maybe Lindor doesn't even really think about it. Maybe he's maybe he says nothing's going to be worth it for me. I'm going to play the free market if he's the sexiest name in free agency and he doesn't have much competition. But um, for me, you you hit it right on the head there. These guys within a year are getting getting record deals each and every year. By the time Lindor is you know three years deep in this contract, he's going to be one of the lower paid shortstops in the game. Yeah, so that's fair. You too. know it, it it's a good point to make. But I got to you know me and Christian we try and put our, our put on uh, you know our, our met caps once in a while and and our biggest takeaway from it is that we're just we're frustrated we've been frustrated for the fans 
it's not like a hatred for the Mets. It's a frustration for the fans. And then, you know, Cohen takes over. Things are looking a little more optimistic. But the Mets do something within, what was it? It was obviously opening day of the season that they just continue well, to do. It's a little delayed because they uh, the Nats yeah. uh, had the COVID issue. Right. right. But they just continue to do this over and over. And I got to say, it's it's the one lingering thing. As a Met fan, I got to be crazy about. And it's they just can't win games when DeGrom's pitching. Like, oh my goodness! I mean, how, did, is, how is it? How is it as a Met fan to to just watch the best pitcher in baseball by far? If anyone tells you otherwise, they're mm-hmm. crazy. Um, just continue to go out there and dominate, and this team just can't put up runs and, and hold a, a lead for the guy. And it's been going on for three plus years. It's now. crazy. It's it's the it's probably. I mean, I think having a bad bullpen obviously is frustrating. Having a bad offense is extremely frustrating. But that's probably the most frustrating thing I think that I've watched in recent years when you just continue to blow games and lose games that the best pitcher in baseball goes out there and spins gems left and right. And they continue to do the same thing, whether it's the offense, whether it's the bullpen. They just – it's it's horrible. And I was saying this the other night on the fan. Imagine if DeGrom was on the Yankees, the difference. And this is not to pick on the Mets compared to the Yankees. But you guys know, I mean, Garrett Cole doesn't have to be perfect and he's going to win a bunch of games and he's going to be in a position to win a bunch of games because of that Yankee offense, because of the Yankee bullpen. With the Mets, DeGrom not only has to be perfect, even if he is, they still screw him out of so many wins. It is remarkable. It's almost, the easy thing would be to win games when DeGrom pitches. It's almost impossible (laughs) to see what they've done here with DeGrom over the last several years. I can't even, I honestly can't believe it and it just continues to happen. So we'll segue into the Yankees here. That's what our listening audience really wants us to talk about. And the reason why you're here is because uh, when you were on SNY last week uh, after opening day, you had a few remarks about Garrett Cole. And I actually went back and listened to the video uh, right before we came on. And I got to say that you're not off base. I have to be fair about it. Garrett Cole's big bugaboo is that he gives up way too many home runs. But we always say if he's going to allow one, two runs a game, does it really matter if they are home runs? Now, you, now it's funny that you said that he's never really delivered a true ace-like performance, and then he goes out seven yeah. innings, 13 Ks, <laughs> shut out. The or- I, it's the Orioles, but still, that yeah. I mean, that's what an ace has got to do. He's got he's to dominate bad teams. Do you do – you, how do I want to phrase this? Do you think that Garrett Cole is – is one of the top pitchers in baseball? Would you put him behind uh, behind Jacob Degrom as the second best guy in the sport? And and do you think that and do you think that he is what you know the Yankees are paying for? Do you think the Yankees you know you know will look down the contract in a few years? Did the Yankees make the move that they should have made with Garrett Cole? Okay, a couple of different points to, to this. Now, yeah, I, I do <laughs> think the Yankees had to make that move. It was an obvious no-brainer of a move. The Yankees needed a true ace. They got one in Garrett Cole. I do believe he is a true ace. I also don't care who it's against. You go out there and what was it, 13 strikeouts, seven innings, dominate the way that you do. That's a major league lineup, and the Orioles have had some success earlier this year, so it doesn't matter who the opponent is. Garrett Cole was on fire. Obviously, there's something to the fact that he's throwing to Higashioka, which is a whole nother topic. But Garrett Cole on his own, yeah, I do think he's a true ace. My whole point was, and it's only been a limited sample size, right? We didn't have a full season of it last year. And we saw it a little bit in the postseason where we had dominant performances. But too many times, specifically against the Rays, those games were infuriating. 
where Garrett Cole, it's not just about the homers. That's a little bit of a problem, but more about the Yankees getting a lead and Cole giving it back. That drives me nuts. As an ace, you need to pitch to the game, right? So if the Yankees had a 4-1 lead the other day and he gives up a home run to make it 4-2 or even 4-3 before getting pulled out, I'm fine with that. The the issue is in that particular game, they were up 2-1 in the sixth inning. This is a game to start the season against the Blue Jays. Up 2-1 in the sixth inning, and he gives up a home run. And that's something that he did last year against Tampa regularly, at least my memory, if my memory is correct, and at the very least in the regular season. I don't remember the postseason specifically, other than I think he did do it in the postseason in game five, right? I'm pretty sure he did the same thing with the home run. You, you needed, in that spot, you needed an ace-like performance there. Keep your team, keep throwing up zeros, match zeros. So it's not that Cole isn't that guy. It's not that Cole can't be or won't be that guy. It's that he hasn't been that guy enough in a short sample size with the Yanks so far, counting, you know, the pandemic riddled year and even on into the postseason a year ago. It, it's all fair, Sal. I get I get it completely get frustrated and you're completely right. An ace, you know, if you if your team scratches out one run, you gotta find a way to make that stick. That's all fair. I can't disagree with you at all on that. Especially the Yankees' bats. You remember, the Yankees' offense has been the problem in these postseasons here. 17, 18, 19. I know they had success in 17. But really, the reason why they've lost, everybody likes to pick on the pitching. Well, Paxton, you can't get out of the first inning or whatever. Yeah, that's not ideal. But the Yankees are built on that lineup. Glaber and Judge and Sanchez and Stanton. These guys got a hit in the postseason. Outside of LeMahieu, hard to find guys. And I know Stanton had a big postseason last year, obviously. But consistently, that lineup has been the issue. So knowing that... Even more so that you need Garrett Cole to go out there. And if they do give you a lead, you got to make that stick. And he didn't do it. And that that's what was frustrating. That's it. It's not Garrett Cole stinks. It's not about DeGrom is better. Nobody cares about that. Garrett Cole will be fine with the Yanks, but he's got to have those ace-like performances more often than not, especially against the better teams. All fair, Sal. All fair. Yeah, <laughs> and, and look, we go from we go from the ace of the pitching staff to the guy who I claim was didn't ask for this, but is the face of the Yankees. You can argue he's become one of the faces of baseball over the last couple of years, and that's Aaron Judge. And we're kind of sitting here now, and we went into this season, we had a whole long show about Aaron Judge this year and how this is how he makes his legacy. He needs to come out here and the one thing we need out of him is for him to stay healthy and to be a leader on the field because that's one thing that, you know, people want to compare Judge to Jeter and everything, but there's one thing Jeter did that Judge hasn't yet and that's win. And 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 Jeter stay on the field. And Jeter did that by staying on the field and being a leader on the field. I don't care about the clubhouse stuff as much as I do Judge being a leader on the field right now because that's what he's here. That's what he's here for, and and immediately now we get this whole. You know, first he was sick, then he's getting you know some innings off after they took a seven nothing lead the other night. All of a sudden he's out of the lineup, and now he's sore. And now it's like it went from oh he'll be back in the lineup Friday to I can't give you that guarantee just yet. And it's like this game the Yankees play where they just they just don't tell you what's going on. Where do you? If, if Judge goes down this path again, where do you see his future as a baseball player? It, will it even be with the Yankees? That's the big question, and it's a big problem. And I love Aaron Judge. I mean, how could you not? When he's on the field, there's no arguing what love type him. of production you get. You love his attitude, too. As a matter of fact, the reason I kept picking the Yankees in 2018 and 2019 and definitely last year, in 2020, I kept picking them 
to win the World Series and get over the hump. More specifically, after the 18 season, what was the season? 2018 was the one where the Red Sox got him, right? Where they were making yeah. fun of Judge mm-hmm. for, uh, right? So Playing after New York, that, New York, yeah. exactly. So I, and and Judge has that attitude, like, all right, you know what? They got us this time. It's not going to happen anymore. And I started to believe in that. I thought he was going to be the guy to carry this team, not to be Jeter esque or Jeterian, whatever you want to call it. But I thought he had that intangible and the talent to go along with it. And they just haven't been able to do it. And even when he did come back healthy, he's not productive in the postseason. So that's a problem. But, yeah, the first problem is the injuries. And five, six games into the year already dealing with it, where this was supposed to be the year because he did the yoga and he's getting himself in shape. And we're past all the injury-riddled years after the great 2017. Every year has been more by injury here. Even last year, he missed half the games in a shortened season. I mean, 60-game season, he's playing 27 games or 30 games. That's unacceptable. So I don't know how you... As the Yankees organization, I don't know how they would possibly evaluate him moving forward other than just letting this play out. He's too good to say, no, it's not going to happen here. We're giving up on him. He's too injured to say, yeah, we're going to sign him long term. So I think it's probably best for both parties to play it out and not worry about that until you get to that point after the 2022 season and see what happens. But I still do believe Judge will have a big year this year. You just hope that this injury is not too significant again. Here's a quick trivia for both of you, actually. just popped in my head because I looked it up last night. Since Stanton has come to the Yankees, the Yankees have played about close to 400 regular season games. How many of those games do you think Jeter, uh, Jeter, Jesus, Judge and Stanton have been in the lineup together? Of almost 400 games. So this was the 18-19-20 season? Correct. Right, Stanton came after 2017, right? So 18-19-20. Uh, how many games they played together? Together. Did they even play one last year? I mean, in the regular <laughs> season? I, last year, yeah, I they played they, tw- they played 23 together last year, actually. Oh, they did? Yeah, which was shocking to me. <laughs> yeah, because there's only, right, there's only 20, you know, Judge only played 27 games or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say way less than half. Is it even 100? It, it, 146. Yeah, 146, which works out to be about 13% of the game since they got Stanton. and they have these two guys in the lineup. And and why that's so shocking, obviously on its face, is is self-explanatory. But you got Stanton, and you were like, can you imagine a lineup with Judge followed by Stanton? And it's like, we haven't even really seen it that much. You know, that's why I didn't want them to get... I thought Stanton at the time, they didn't need him. They, remember, at that time... They were just about to really peak. They came out of nowhere in 2017, and nobody expected them. That was supposed to be the rebuilding year. They get to Game 7 of the ALCS. Then they add Stanton, who to me was a mirror of Aaron Judge. They didn't need that type of bat. And I do think it's hurt them here years later, whether it's the lack of flexibility in that lineup with the DH spot, whether it is another player who is always injured, whether it's not having a lefty bat or more versatility with another bat that could be more like DJ LeMayu. I didn't think they, and, and, or more money, just tying up more money where the Yankees aren't going to be able to go out there. And whether it's keeping DD, we don't know if that's money or they just didn't want him back. You, you get the point. They made that move to go all in on Stanton and it kind of tied them up. It, it, it didn't give them as much flexibility as I'm sure they'd like to have. Now, for a player, that wasn't really a need because they already had that in Aaron Judge. But yeah, here we are years later. They never stay healthy, either of them. But Sal, I'll say this to end, end it right now. 
if he gives me another postseason like he did last yeah. year, and the Yankees uh, can hang another banner on the wall, uh, you got. I'll forget it's all about worth all it. of it. Yeah. <laughs> do you trust Stanton though to do it? Because I still have issues. Like I trust Judge, and look, Glaber's been a problem too. Glaber, not only defensively, op- offensively, you don't want him to carry over the bad defense to the plate, and I think he's done that. And last year he was a zero until the postseason. So they need Glaber. He's got to be really the difference maker. Even a guy like Frazier, who I like offensively, can be different, a different type hitter than those all-or-nothing home run guys with Sanchez, Judge, and Stanton. Maybe you get that a little more balanced with Glaber and Frazier, so those guys will be key. I just don't – I know he had a huge postseason, a ridiculous postseason with Stanton. I still don't trust him in a big spot. Too many strikeouts, too easily pitched. So you guys trust John Carl Stanton? I got to say, I, I think – when a player has a, the type of postseason that he had and proved himself so early on in, in a big contract in, in, in New York, I think that that carries over. But one thing I'll say about the Yankees in the postseason, it's contagious. Mm-hmm. When this team is hitting, it, it is very contagious. And when they're slumping, that's even more contagious. So I think it's a it's a mixture of Stanton coming in and and just having that natural confidence now mixed in with these guys around him still need to hit. You've seen it already this year. Stanton has not seen a lot of strikes this season so far. And and pitchers are really starting to to pitch around him because his swing is on. He is I'd never throw him a strike. I'd throw him everything never. in the dirt. Yeah, I mean, he let him swing, let him get himself out. I mean, well, did you see the at bat last night? Three straight sliders. He's swinging over the top of them. I don't yeah. know why anybody would ever throw, ever throw him a fastball. fastball. Why you would ever throw him a fastball for a strike is just ridiculous. That's the only thing he tees off on. Now, when he connects, obviously it goes a long like the way. Grand he, slam the other night. Yeah, right. He hits it harder than everybody else. I, I understand that. And I, look, even though I can knock Stan as a hitter, regardless of the year that he has, if he's healthy, he's going to hit 40 home run. I mean, that's just what he does. He's a 40 home run machine. So man, I hit 60 or 59 or whatever it was with the Marlins in his MVP year. They may not all be big ones, but he's going to hit 40 homers. So the numbers will be there. It's just those big at bats. He would be the last guy, even with the postseason last year. He'd be the last guy I'd want up there because if you get a smart pitcher, to your point, somebody's throwing him off speed stuff, sliders, uh, non keep everything out of the strike zone. More than likely, you'll be able to get him out. Well, like, I'll, uh, I'll, Craig I'll, Kimbrell ate him alive. In, oh, uh, yeah. That, game, that was game four when they were trying to come back. In uh, 2018, that was that was was one of the worst at bats I've ever seen in a spot. But you know, a lot of a lot of casual baseball fans don't think this way. But but really, this this is why Glaber Torres having a big season and Gary Sanchez having a big season is way more important than just to pad their stats. If you're in a if you're in a big spot with runners on on first and second or second and third with two outs. And you have Stanton up with Glaber following, and then and you know forget about Gary at that point. Just Glaber following right now. Are you even thinking about pitching to Stanton? I mean, you're not even you're not even thinking about it right now. You're putting him on first base if first base is open. If not, if if Glaber's hot behind him, if Gary's batting behind him and he's and he's hot, you have to pitch to Stanton. You have to pitch to someone. You know, their lineup is so loaded if everybody is performing at the peak level. So I understand what you're saying. There are no – you look at that Yankee lineup. There are no 
easy outs. Looking at it from another perspective, you guys always look at it from the Yankees fan perspective, right? But let's say you look at it from another, the Cleveland Indians in the postseason last year. I actually, I think I picked the Indians to win that series. So I was rooting for Cleveland probably to win because either I picked them or I bet I forget what happened, whether it's one game or two. But I remember just because I thought Cleveland was going to win, everybody's picking the Yankees. But I remember looking at the Yankee lineup just thinking, there's no way. This is a mistake. You can't, there are there is no soft spot in that lineup. When those guys are going right, forget it. They're going to mash you. Now against the Rays, and that's of course where I jumped on the Yankees, thinking that they were going to beat the Rays and go on and, and win the World Series, and they didn't. Now against good pitching like Tampa has, all those arms they threw out there in the bullpen, they, they got it done. Or years before with the Astros, all those arms they get it done. That's the thing that's so infuriating that you know when the Yankees when they're at their best, they cannot even be pitched to. All these guys can wreck a game with one swing. Even a freaking guy like Gardner, who's not one of those guys going to go out there and smash. Look at Gardner. And I've been saying the Yankees should move on from him for the last two, three years. Every time he's in the lineup, he's getting on base, he's scoring runs, he's doing something productive that helps you win ball games. So, and and he's a guy who's usually batting ninth in the postseason. So it's just remarkable how deep they are. And I'm honestly shocked that they haven't even been back to a World Series since 2009, especially over the last several years. Well, if you're shocked, how do you think we feel? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I mean, I thought it was a a given thing. Now, how old are you guys? He's 47 and I'm 32. You're both. So you're 37, Christian. And Chris, you're 32. I'm 32. Right. So I'm 41. So I'm a little bit older, which means you guys haven't even really seen failure from the Yankees. I couldn't even legally drink the last time the, the Yankees won the World Series. But that being said... You're right. I mean, we've never seen a losing team. Never. It's, it, it's remarkable. Now, when I grew up in the 80s, and this is a long time ago, but as a young kid, the 86 Mets wore the team. So the Mets actually did have the preferential uh, preferential treatment in the town. That changed quickly, especially since 96. But when you think about it from 96 on, it, it's I can't even imagine what that's like to be a fan of a team who every year it basically is World Series of Bust because you're getting into the postseason. You're always having a bad year. The Yankees win 83, 84 ball games. You look at how many, if you look at the, the records of the Mets over the last 20 years and the Yankees, look at how many times the Mets won more than 81 games and how many times the Yankees, it's it's not even close. I mean, the Mets maybe did it, did it three times or something like that. So it's remarkable to think about what is success to each franchise. It, it's something and, we take for granted too, I'll tell you oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, but it's great to have those high expectations. And the Mets now with the new owner, they're hoping that they could get there. But the Yankees, they make it look so easy. It's not that easy. Unfortunately, winning a World Series, I mean, that's something that does take a little bit of luck, and they just haven't had that since 2009. But still, it's hard to believe because, I I mean, I was brainwashed watching those teams win every single year. You just automatically think it's the Yankees' year. They're going to break through eventually. And I still do think that this core will break through eventually. I'm just shocked it's taken this long. Sal, I do remember bad Yankee baseball. My first memory at Yankee <laughs> Stadium was around 88, 89. Okay. Uh, they actually had the Beach Boys play a concert after the game as a way to get people into the stadium. <laughs> yeah. I he know. went for younger, the concert, not even for the game. Right. Younger fans don't realize that it wasn't a sellout every night, that the Yankees weren't dominating. Every night. You look back at some of those Mattingly highlights and look at him on his home run streak or whatever. It was empty seats all over the place. Or, you know, Jim Abbott's no-hitter, whatever it may be. Uh, there were... There were empty seats all over the place so it was different when i was growing up but they've been such a dominant powerhouse mainstay for the last you know 20 years or whatever it's been it's it's crazy and i guess that they do rely a little bit on the luck in the postseason right because they haven't changed the team 
since 2017 or 2018, really, they brought in Stanton. But it's kind of been the same team. I know mm-hmm. they added Cole, but you get the point. That yeah. that lineup has pretty much been the same, especially after last year. They're just hoping that, you know what, health and luck are going to be the difference in the postseason. And everybody else kind of did get a little worse in the American League. That should help them, too. Sal, we can't thank you enough for your time this evening. Uh, this is going to drop Friday morning, so if you, uh, you can let the fans know when you'll be on the fan or on SNY. This way they can check you out. Yeah, I'm on SNY usually weeknights uh, after the Mets post game on Geico Sports Night. That's five nights a week uh, after the Mets post game, and I'm on the fan doing overnights five nights a week, usually from two a.m. to five a.m. Tuesday morning. So technically, like Monday night and Tuesday morning through Saturday. What did you get the JJ slot? I did not get the JJ slot permanently. <laughs> There's no permanent announcement on that yet, but uh, I think I'm going to be doing some, you know, some overnights regularly here awesome. for at least uh, the next couple of months or so. Awesome, well, you know man. what? It'll give me some. Got to represent do. the Yankee talk. You, you lost one of your Yankee fans on the fan. You know what? I got you. Even listen, though I'm that fan, listen, the Yankees getting. Low. I'm up till five in the morning. I'm going to give you a couple phone calls uh, throughout yeah, throughout do. the season. I can Let's tell do you. It. That. Give it- Give us something to do when my daughter's screaming her head off at 3 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was the thing that was so disappointing to me, Christian. You know what? When I saw that you called me a clown or a jerk or whatever it is that you called me, I looked at your profile and I see you holding your little baby girl in your arms. And I'm thinking to myself, come on, man. You're a girl dad. I'm about to be a girl dad. Oh, congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah. Who knows? That and, could when you covered for, and when you covered for Geo, that whenever that was, that that's was why I said to you, ago, I was man. rooting. When you said that, man, I said I, I was rooting for you there. You know? I that's really right. Am, Sal. Well, I appreciate that. And that's right. You took another shot at me for not, <laughs> not being able to fix the tire. <laughs> now I remember the tweet. Hey, that's Sal, right. don't worry about it. Neither can I. He had to, he had to, he had to change <laughs> yeah, my tire a few years ago. I still hear about it. Yeah. I All right. Well, next time I got to call you up, Christian. Get you uh, <laughs> come help me out so I can get to work on time. Any t- but no. Anytime you need, Sal. Anytime. Love the interaction. As l- yeah. As long as we're in Jersey, I don't travel outside. Of Jersey. Is that where you guys? Are you guys both living in Jersey? <laughs> yeah, we're in Jersey. I okay, just moved go to, to South Jersey. Yeah. Are you gonna I, go to the Yankee? I mean, look, we. I used to go. I used to go to at least 20, 30 games a year, and then and then he really consistently 15, 20 games over yeah. the last handful of years. But this year, it's so tough now. You, my wife thought you bought tickets to the April 17th game, and then we get a, we get a letter that says uh, the our tickets were postponed. We go to check to see, like, what's going on, and forget it. You can't even get a ticket anywhere right now. So Yeah, tough with the restrictions and yeah, know, it's the crazy, limitations. So. And Who knows? Hopefully hopefully it opens up. That's what that's what we're hoping for. My cousin's also having a baby. I think his wife is due around July 4th. I promised him I'd, I'd take him to a game before the baby's born. So I got to yeah. get out there sometime in June. So Yeah. Hopefully, I know I'm dying to go to a game. I'm going to have to wait till after that, uh, you know, after the baby's born and see if we can go to a game or not. But dying to get back to a baseball. There's something about the beer in those plastic cups that is just as delicious as by the beautiful weather, the sounds of a ball game, the beer in the plastic cup, whether it's Yankee Stadium or City Field or whatever around Major League Baseball. I love it. I can't wait to well, go. Well, you know this. You know this is probably maybe as well as anybody. There's nothing like the smell of urine and hot dog water. That's <laughs> it. Ballpark. Well, I, I used to say as a kid, like, I used to die for a Yankee Stadium pretzel, right? But really, yeah. if you take it out of its context, it's the worst pretzel you could ever yeah. have. It, it, you can't even chew it. It's rock solid. But it's there's disgusting. just something about that pretzel, man, that right. just takes me back to my childhood. I get one every time. Of course, yeah. those smells and tastes of the ballpark. Shea Stadium yeah. had the worst food ever, but I loved every second of it. Yeah, give me more. I wish I could go back to that. The food now is too good. It's too good stadiums. now. It's too good. Sal, thank you so much for your time this uh, on this evening here. Best of luck on the fan. Best of luck with your uh, 
with your baby girl coming. Uh, thanks again, man. We really appreciate it. Yes, yeah, Sal. We appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you, guys, Chris, Christian. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you guys we'll soon. We'll be in touch. Thank you, Sal. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks, Sal. We appreciate Thank the time, man. Thank you so man. much, man. Thank wish you. you wish your wife luck. luck. Wish your wife luck. Best of luck, man. Seriously. Thank you. I appreciate that. All Have right, a good guys. one. You too. Take care. All right, so that was Sal Licata. Follow Sal on Twitter, at Sal underscore Licata. That's L-I-C-A-T-A. As he said, he's doing overnights on the fan right now, and he's usually on SNY after Mets postgame. So Sal's a very passionate guy, and you got to got to respect what he had to say there. Uh, and it, you know, he, he said a lot of things that we always say, like he's a Met fan, but wants the Yankees to do well. We're Yankee fans. They want the Mets to do well. I always say that I want the Mets to be good because I want to, like, if the Yankees are off or they're playing at different times and I want to catch it, you want to watch, watch good game, baseball. I want to watch good baseball. And yeah, I have MLB TV, but guess what? I never use it. So I'm flushing $150 down the toilet every year because the goddamn app never works, but that's. Another story for another day. Um, so there was a lot to unpack from Sal's interview, but uh, you know we'll just go based on what we have to say here. Uh, so I don't know where you want to get started. We didn't. He briefly touched on it. We we only had Sal for a finite amount of time, so we didn't get into everything we really wanted to get into. But I think the first thing that we need to really get into right now is Gary Sanchez, and not the fact that he was loafing around. The infield yesterday, although if you caught Boone on the fan today, you can tell the difference in between how the Yankees feel about Gleyber Torres and how they feel about Gary Sanchez because Carton and Roberts asked, you know, uh, Boone about, you know, did he talk to Gary about, you know, because the fly ball dropped, he he was loafing, you know, and then uh, when he almost got gun picked off not picked off but yeah, it was a single and he almost got yeah and he almost got uh he almost got forced out a second on a single and you know Boone's like you know and Boone in his Boone way was like yeah I talked to him blah 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 but like you know we told Gary it was a teaching moment teaching moment in Boone words is like I screamed that I screamed my head off mm, at him. Definitely. And and when uh, they asked about Glaber Torres making the error in the t- it was the tenth inning, right? Because the Yankee Hig- Higashioka tied the game in the tenth and they lost in the eleventh. Uh, he was like he won. He was like so like roses and rainbows about how hard Glaber's working. He doesn't think this is a trend. He's really happy with the way you know he's been playing. Doesn't you know, think it's a trend, man. But that's what I'm. That's what I'm telling you, dude. They they were like, you know, they were basically like one way on Gary and one way on Glaber. So you know, we touched on this in the off season. Gary Sanchez could possibly even have an MVP caliber year. I think in the Yankees' minds, they might be moving on from him. And we screamed about it when uh, Boone announced that Gary was going to catch uh, Cole on opening day. Was this just an act? Is this for theater? Is it because they just didn't want to deal with the drama of Gary sitting on opening day? And the first possible opportunity they had to go to Kyle Higashioka to catch Garrett Cole, what did they do? Yeah. Garrett Cole was caught by Kyle Higashioka. And they're like, now it, you know, this was the time to sit Gary. He needed a day off. It just so happened to be Garrett Cole's time to pitch. And it's like, it's kind of. I'm not ripping the Yankees, man. I'm I'm so optimistic about this season. I love Aaron Boone. You know, he has his flaws, but I really I I do. I think he does a good job. Um and it's the fucking Yankees. I'm not trying to rip them here, but like 
the act is starting to get old a little bit to me. The act is getting old, and it's not just this. It's like, it's like with guys that are that are sitting because they're feeling sore and stuff. Like the act in itself is getting old, and I and I guess we know the the motive behind it. The Yankees don't like to show their hand, uh, you know, but it's like give me a different approach at least because it really is. It's getting it's getting tiresome. It's the same thing over and over again. Like, just come out and tell me. Like, Higgy's his catcher. That's it. I'd respect that more. I don't agree with it. Right. Look, dude, the way that Cole pitched on, uh, when did he pitch? Was it, it was Monday night. Yeah, it was two nights ago. It was the it was game two of the series. So it was Tuesday night. Who pitched game one? I forget already. Oh, Montgomery. Montgomery, Montgomery pitched good. Montgomery pitched very good. Really good. Yeah, Tuesday night. Look, and, you know, and then I've, I posted it on Twitter and I was like, Hey, you know what? I would appreciate the Yankees had the balls to at least just come out and say that we only, that Higgy's the catcher and we only started Gary to avoid the drama. I would have appreciated that. And everybody's like, Oh, you think Gary's going to catch five days in a row? First of all, the Yankees had a day off in between opening day and, and the second game. So it would only have been four, four games. So to me, my whole thing is if the Yankees were really trying to spell the myth, the rumor, whatever you want to call it, that Higgy's Cole's personal catcher, then Higgy starts when Montgomery pitches and then Gary can come back in the lineup or Gary could have sat last night when Tyone pitched. No, they, they specifically sat Gary Sanchez when Garrett Cole pitched, you can't tell me that's a coincidence. That's just the way things work. They did that on purpose. They did it on purpose. And now, you know what? I'm not going to fight it anymore. If Garrett Cole is going to do that every time Kyle Higashioka catches, then fine. Just don't lie about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's old. There's no reason to lie. Why, you gotta, why do you have to lie? Why do you, What are you trying to, like... Cole, Garrett Cole, what he did the other night justified anything that you could say, any reasoning you can say. So, like, why beat around the bush? Like, yeah, you know what? Higgy is his catcher, but look what happened. Like, are you complaining? And I even said that. I even said that Tuesday. Like, I get it. I understand it. Like, it clearly works. It works. Whatever reason he's got this thing going with Kyle Higashioka, it works. If Jorge Posada, after he ninety no after yeah because he wasn't there in ninety six, after Jorge Posada won three World Series, that he could sit on the bench in two thousand nine to get AJ Burnett mm. in a right frame mm. of mind, then Gary Sanchez can sit on the bench in a postseason game for Garrett Cole. I don't even care about that anymore. Just don't lie to me. Just tell me the truth. Kyle's his catcher. That's it. The end. Boom. Boom. Done. Just tell me the truth. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And like and I said, it, it fucking carries over to all other negative, any any negative story that the Yankees hold on to that they don't, again, they don't like to show their hand too early in certain certain things. It's the same type of, of response to the, the story they're trying to tell to the Yankee fans is like it it's so transparent now and and they're doing everything they can to make it not transparent to us but it's like it's almost like you're watching it and you're going do they think we're stupid like do they do they think we're dumb like we we don't know this act by now because it like i said they do it over and over again the same way 
Right. And that's why, like, you you and I were going back and forth yesterday that, like, I feel like I have to defend Aaron Judge. I don't feel like I have to defend him. It's also part of this all rise all the time where, like, I want to think positively that he's not going to wind up on the injured list for two months. But, I mean, I got to be realistic. It went from, oh, he's got a little soreness to, yeah, I had to stay away from him last night to now it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like he may play Friday. He probably won't. No, uh, it, it actually you know. was. It that's the thing. Here's when you know. Here's when you know. When they go, no, he, he just needed a day. He'll he's back in the lineup Friday, and then the next game comes around, rolls around, and it's like, well, we're not definite about that. It's not Friday yet. So, and the second they they start to to walk back on their statement that he'd be in the lineup. You know it's worse than it is. You know right, it's worse than it is. Remember right before the season started and Hulk was playing tricks on Twitter yeah. uh, when Judge sat out the final game and Boone went and said, no, he'll be in the lineup on Thursday. He was very definitive about it. Right. Right. And now it's like, mm, Did we say know. definitely? We thought he would, but it's not Friday yet. Let's let Friday roll around. Like Easter was last Sunday, and you know Aaron Boone is like, "Well, do you believe in Easter Bunny? Because if you do, then Aaron Judge will play on Sunday, right? If or on Friday. If not, then you know that's all I can really tell you. Do you think the Easter Bunny's real? Because Aaron Judge being healthy is about as much of a myth as the fucking Easter Bunny right now. Yeah, and then it's like you hold your breath and you wait for the lineup. And here's and here's the here's the way it normally plays out it can go one of two ways either friday's lineup comes out judge isn't in it but normally when that happens the yankees will make a statement beforehand they'll kind of start to show give a little more detail into what's going on and kind of and kind of prep you that he's not going to be in the lineup right so that's kind of rare when if the lineup just comes out without him here's what's not rare and here's what happens more more often he is in the lineup right and then either five innings in he's out of the game or that night after the, after the game's over, you find out he's going to the DL. So it's one of those two things. And I'm trying again, I want to stay optimistic. Maybe we're, maybe we're reading into this too much. I just like to be prepared for the worst in these situations because the Yankees again are just going down that path of no definitive answer. I'm not even saying definitive in a sense of, yes, he's good. Yes, he'll be back. Just more of like, look, he's for, he's sore right now. Do we think it's a big deal? No, but we got to take it day by day. We're hopeful that he'll be in the lineup Friday, but we're going to ask Judge. So if he's not, don't be too alarmed right off the bat. We're going to report to you if, if this is worse than we think and blah, blah, blah. Instead of like, no, he'll be there. No, he won't. Yeah, he will. No, he won't. And then it's just like, it's a fucking guessing game at that point. Right. It's just, it's, it's getting frustrating right now. It really is. I can't say it any other way. It's just, you know, you were five games in, into the season and judge, you know, he, he was starting to really hit a nice little stride yeah. there. And then he, you know, and I don't want to hear the conspiracy theorists out there. And you know, if you're listening to this show, you probably know who they are. I don't think the Yankees have been hiding this since the, since the end of spring training, the Yankees came out and said that he couldn't play in the final spring training game because of COVID protocols, his allergies were acting up or whatever. They can't lie about that. They can't use that as a cover for, for an injury. No. And here's, and if you follow the team, which I know a lot of the people with these conspiracy theories clearly do, you know, that when, any of this shit happens, it's not the team covering anything up. 
Very rarely is it the Yankees organization covering something up. It's been the players not being open and, and honest about what how they're feeling. So, like, you're not you're not going to tell me that Judge was sore, feeling soreness on his side, and and that turned into him telling everyone he had flu-like symptoms during the middle of a pandemic when uh, you know hundreds of thousands of people have been affected by this, and and you know I don't think Judge is that's his uh, mo here. Right, I didn't even think of it from that perspective that the Yankees would go out there and, and lie about him having to go through COVID protocols when how many people died from frigging COVID? Right, that the Yankees are just going to use that as a use that as a frigging cover uh, because they don't want to tell you that he might be hurt. I mean, come on now, let's let's be a little bit more realistic about it. And then today, you know, I'm, I'm on Twitter and, and the tinfoil hats were out that oh. I don't. I don't know if he's been vaccinated. Maybe he has been. Maybe somebody read that somewhere. And but oh, it's he's he's sore because of the vaccine. Then somebody said that he's got mono. I was just like, dude, it's like where have we been? Yeah, where have we been the last couple of yeah. years? This is Aaron Judge. I love the guy to death. I, I love really him. do. And but this is Aaron Judge. This is who he is. This is just it. I'm like I'm disappointed. Like. Like, I don't want, like, I get it. Like, I don't want to sound like a dad here, but it's like, I'm disappointed. I'm like, disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah. You know, my wife made a good point the other night. She, I guess they brought it up on the broadcast that the Yankees are all getting vaccinated on the same day. That's kind of like, there's a lot it's of stories risky. out it's there really that, that a lot of these, that a lot of people getting vaccinated after the second shot I've heard can have some pretty serious symptoms, even if it's just like 24 hours, but Right, it'll get you know, what, what happens? She's like, what happens if if like half the team fucking can't even get out of bed? Well, if they're getting the J and J, it's one shot. And I heard this, the the uh, side effects are a lot less. You know, like it's also well, less effective. Also less yeah. effective shot, but okay. You hey. know, we don't have to. We don't have to get into that. Right yeah, I just I'm shocked that they would go with that. But hey, whatever works, man. Get fucking vaccinated. Let's go. No outbreaks. No outbreaks. Twenty twenty one. Well, the Nats already had one. No, for the Yankees. <laughs> for the Yankees. Right. Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> so I mean, so we got Gary out of the way. We got Judge out of the way. Let's talk about, uh, let's just talk about Jamison Tyon. I want to do a lot of, a lot of quick hitting on this, on this show, because we had Sal on for about a half hour. Let's just bang out some, some topics here. Uh, Tyon, four and two thirds last night. I think he threw around 74 pitches, seven Ks, no walks. I think he had three hits. They got bit by the home run ball in that one inning. I think it was the fourth they gave up back uh, two solo shots. But, dude, I'm an, I came away fucking impressed with this kid, man. Like for not having pitched in two years, it, his stuff is really good, man. And I really think that the Yankees are. We're gonna look back, even if he doesn't re-sign with the team, if he goes somewhere else in two years, and then we're gonna look back at this and say this is was like Ninja Cash at his best. Like he really went in there and he sniped this guy because uh, from the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I really was feeling that good about Jameson Tyone after a start last night. Yeah, and you know what? Don't underestimate the power of his relationship with Garrett Cole because. To have Cole go out I there. He, I heard he brews a mean cup of coffee, too. In case <laughs> oh, yeah, I did hear that. He's big into coffee. and Into coffee. Um, coffee. To have such a close relationship of two guys who are hopefully going to be sitting on top of this rotation alongside, you know. Uh, did you know he had cancer, too? I didn't even I know. I didn't know that, that, no. 
two Tommy Johns and cancer. How could you not but root? How could you not root for this guy, man? Like honestly, like even on a personal, like uh, what do they call it? Like a personal interest story. Like yeah. this guy's got two Tommy Johns and cancer, and he's coming back as a New York Yankee. Yeah, I mean, man. Like, come on, you got to root for this guy. Hell yeah. I mean, just look at like the Carrasco story. I never, as a player, I was never like you know, I never knew much about Carrasco, but when he what he battled leukemia, right? Carlos Carrasco, I think I think, so. I think I he had leukemia, so. and like I never even watched. I never went out of my way to watch this guy pitch once. But it's like the second you hear a story like that, you're rooting for a guy like that. Now this is a guy on our team, in a, in it on a team that we haven't seen a World Series in way too many years. You're friggin' you want to see this guy succeed, and he looked friggin'. I mean, if you're anything but optimistic. You're you're clueless, first of all. And second of all, if you're someone who's and I didn't really see this much, but if you're someone who's complaining about his his innings or whatever, his efficiency, the dude hasn't pitched in, in two years and he had two Tommy John surgeries. Most guys don't even come back from that. Most guys can't even throw a pitch in the major leagues after that. This guy came out and and you're sitting there going, he has the stuff to be a number two. Easily. I honestly and uh somebody i don't know <clears throat> i don't know how you can be anything but optimistic after watching him start last night i'm not going to say he's going to go out there and throw gems every time out because that's just the nature of pitching not even jacob de is going to throw a gem every time out there but for what the yankees made this trade for is uh to have him really kind of grow to be a guy that you can slot behind garrett cole in a big spot i mean how do you come away but anything but what without anything but that optimism. Yeah, I'm going to say this. And this is something that I'm going to incorporate a little something what Sal said during our talk with him. Um, there's a few different characteristics, characteristics you look for in an ace, right? And one of those being what Sal brought up of, it doesn't matter what the score is, you don't give back the lead. A true ace doesn't give back the lead. And that's something he kind of got on Cole for. I think... I think he's fair in saying it. I think Cole, that's one aspect of his game he needs to pick up. But there's another there's another characteristic of an ace that that you definitely look for in a 1B type of guy or a 2 guy in your rotation. And it's something that both Corey Kluber and, and Tyone have. And that's never, no matter how your stuff is that night, never letting the game get out of hand. And both of these guys, even if they're not on top of their game, even if they give up a few runs, even if a few guys are getting on base, they're getting hit consistently, they have the stuff to contain the game, to keep the team where they're at. And that is a, that is, you have to be optimistic about that in these two guys following Garrett Cole. Let's let's not forget, you got Garrett Cole, Tyone, and Kluber, and they all hold that characteristic of, keeping your team in the game. And if you can do that with this offense, when this offense is on, you're not going to lose many games. Look, we know you hate him, but you cannot sleep and, on Jordan Montgomery. I know. I don't want fucking hate him. I, I respect the hell out of him after the postseason, and I love the fact that he came back out on the mound and picked up right where he left off. He said, oh, you thought that was a, you thought that was a fluke? No. I'm going to show you what the fuck I'm made of now. And you know why he'll? And you know why the Yankees are going to give uh, Jordan Montgomery a big extension, uh, probably in another year or two. Why? 
That TJ fetish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's only had one, right? So Yeah. If he get, if still, he gets to a second one before the before he signs, he'll get he'll get a fucking bonus on top of it. You think Cashman's regretting letting James Paxton go now? Oh yeah. He, he actually might I heard the second they announced that he's getting Tommy John. Tried to trade for him. He tried to trade him for him, yeah. He's like, hey, I got this uh, German guy at the bottom of my rotation. Look, in all seriousness, no, about James Paxton. Look, when he came out of the start the other day and he complained about the forearm, I knew it was you knew immediately. Tommy John. Because didn't, didn't he have something going on with the forearm last year? I know the knee was wow. bothering him. The forearm, I believe he, f- he felt tightness for a while. If you remember, his, the velocity on his fastball was, wasn't was there. It was never there last year. It wasn't there. Um, but that's not, you know, I, I, these guys are human, right? Say what you want about James Paxton. I like the guy as a, as a baseball player. He's the type of player who he goes out there and you know the dude fucking wants to win. And and it sucks to see. It really does. I, I don't root for a, anyone to get hurt, but a guy like him going down like this, it's fucking, it's discouraging because you're watching a guy who's could be one of the top, what, 15 pitchers in the game when he's on, maybe even, maybe even higher. And he just can't stay healthy. Look, I tweeted it earlier today. It's he's going to go down as a guy that you're going to say, what could have been every time James Paxton has been healthy, which, you know, we know as well as anybody, you know, watching him the last couple of years here isn't very often. He's got the stuff to be a legitimate ace. Yeah. He really does. I don't think that's hype. I don't think that's hyperbolic. I think he does have the stuff to be a legit ace in in this league, but he just could never stay on the field. And now, you know, you don't want to say his career is over, but what is he going to be? 33 when he comes back? You yeah. Know, it's going to be tough, man. And you're coming. Remember a lot of these younger guys getting Tommy John, are coming back with their careers ahead of them. And James Paxton... Right, and he'll be returning at a time when you would say he's past his prime anyway. Past his prime, and also a guy who, just like you said, when he's, on, when, he's, when he's at his best, he's one of the best pitchers in the game, and he's still proving himself at age 33. So, like, a guy like Tyone, when, he, when, when you're younger like that and you have good stuff, and then you go down with Tommy John, it's like... Yeah, but this kid has a bright future. He's got the stuff there. He's got to come back healthy. With James Paxson, it's more like he's been a question mark anyway, and now he comes back with a year older from Tommy John, and it's like, is this guy even worth anything anymore? Somebody will, I mean, somebody will probably take a flyer on him. but And it'll be a good flyer. I'm not saying it won't, but what's the next injury going to be? Because the Tommy right. John is just That's, the icing on the cake. Right, so if you're you're looking at Tyone and, and – you know, I didn't do a deep dive in his injury history, but if it's just the Tommy Johns, you kind of feel better about that as opposed to Paxton, which is Tommy John, the back, the knee, whatever the hell yeah. else it was too. So, uh, I mean, best wishes to James Paxton that he that he is able to continue a major league career here because we'll always have that moment in the postseason where he said, let's fucking go, and then nearly gave up a home run. Yeah, but he didn't. But he did. But he did not. So I do want to go back to something real quick about Aaron Judge because Sal said that this is a thing that maybe you don't go to until Judge hits free agency. 
And I was talking to a couple of people on Twitter yesterday that even if Judge plays 110 games this year, I still think the Yankees extend them, and I still would extend them. But do you do you agree with Sal? Do you not touch that until you have to? It's such a fine line, man. It's such a fine line because I joked about it in our text the other day, and it, and I felt uncomfortable joking about it. That like I'm done with him. It's such a fine line because. He he clearly brings the he brings the intangible feel like that a Yankee that a true Yankee brings. Didn't something wasn't something missing from that game last night because he wasn't in the lineup? Yes, it, but he, you know what I mean. Like Judge isn't just a player who's getting hurt. It, I was I say this I've said this in the past. I was at the game when Jeter what was it 2012 when he broke his leg. In the postseason. Right, and I felt like I was watching a live funeral. Man, let me tell you something. You were at some great moments at the stadium. I was at this moment, and I can't even describe. I'm not exaggerating. There was full packed house, obviously. It's a a playoff game. It's a championship series. Everyone's going crazy, and the second Jeter went down, you could li- like people say this and they don't really mean it. I literally mean this. You could hear a fucking pin drop because that place was so silent. And it gave you this feeling in your gut that you that you hadn't felt. And it's like I don't know maybe it's just judge replacing that kind of superstar feel we felt with Jeter. But when this guy's hurt, it's not just like, "Oh, another guy's injured." Or it's like, "Oh, fucking Stanton made a glass." This is Aaron Judge. Like, whether it's realistic or rational or not, he's our guy. So to sit here and to say they should just let him go if this is going to be what this season is, is so tough to st- tough to say. But when you really look at it logically and rationally, if this is who he's going to be, I don't know if he's worth keeping here. Yeah, but how do you let him go somewhere else? Right, That, but that's what I'm saying. It's such a fine line. It's like, do I want to see him anywhere else? No, but when you ask me to sit down and think about it, like if he's going to be hurt every 10th game this year, continue to go through these injuries and not give me the season that, I, that we need from him, we should feel, here's what it is, we should feel differently. Will we? I don't know because, like I said, he's our guy right now. But should Look, we? Man, I, but should we feel differently? I, yes. I, if I'm Brian Cashman, I got to put. I I said this on Twitter last night. Buy out the last year, so it's give him give him, you know, buy out the last year. Add five more on the back end. This way, you have him till he's about thirty six. You know, you gotta get. And then what? And then what? You you guard him for a few years. You just keep giving him one year deal. Well, and then we'll see what happens. But and then you throw like one hundred seventy five million dollars at him. That's like twenty nine million dollars a year. I think. I think if he's hurt again, he's going to cost himself being that three that thirty million dollar a year player. So do you think, regardless? I mean, so you, if he stays you gotta, healthy, you're definitely signing him because you're expecting him to give you the big year. And if he's not, you're still signing him because you're getting him at a much better value for you. And he's still always going to put fans in the seat. So the contract's always going to pay for itself. And let's not forget when he's healthy, 
he's one of the best players in baseball. Hands down. Somebody was arguing me last night, like, oh, you're going to give him $28 million a year. That's what a five-war player does, and Judge is a 10-war player. I don't care. I'm not con- concerned with what his war is. Like, if Aaron Judge wants to remain a Yankee, uh, he's not going to get $40 million a year. He's not going to get $35 million a year. I-, I was being generous in offering him 190 over those six years because I don't want to see him go anywhere, which is about $32 million a year. But I don't even know if the Yankees would go that high. I think Judge has to also realize, you know, not to belabor this, we can talk more about this. Maybe this is an offseason thing, but the the money that he'll make, not maybe being not on his baseball contract, will be there by being a Yankee. Because where is he going to go? He's going to get overpaid by the Royals. You think – what is that going to do for him? What did that do for Robinson Cano when he went and got overpaid by the, the Seattle Mariners? Right? Oh, yeah, exactly. We said that all the time. I mean, think about the money he left on the table just by playing in Seattle as opposed to New York. Even if that contract is, is not as much as he was getting in Seattle, you're leaving a bunch of money on the table. But you know right. what? You got to look at this too from a from an organizational perspective. When the Yankees are writing a, a check for for Judge when they're signing that contract, it's not he's the type of player, and there's not many players out there like this, but he's not the type of player you're basing all of his value off of his what he's doing on the field. You're basing some of that contract on how many fans he's putting in the seats. And right, the guy barely had time to grow hair on his ass and right. he put the judge's chambers in. So Right. So you know, you know what the Yankees need if he's going to be hurt on and off this year? The Yankees need to win a World Series because that will justify a World Series regard I know that, but I'm just talking about isolated in this in this circumstance with the judge contract. That will keep the fans extremely optimistic, obviously, energized and to kind of forget about any of his on and off the field injuries that he goes through where he'll still have the hype behind him. It's interesting, man. Like I said, but let's move on to some other stuff here. Uh, you're right. Re- you don't, you're see, so you're hesitant to really give up on Aaron judge, but you're ready to get rid of Glaber Torres. You want him gone? No, no, I don't want him gone. Is uh, this a problem? Like, is this a legitimate problem the Yankees have right now? Well, here's what I, and let me, let me preface this by sure. saying it's not a, it was not a great throw last night. A, a good shortstop makes that, that throw, but also a better first baseman makes I, the play too. So. I scooped that ball with my fucking eyes closed. I'll I'll say that, but I, I can't get on say, Bruce because Bruce has little, actually been pretty good over there. But if you notice, see, this is what the thing is. Everybody's like, "Oh, baseball's so boring. Nothing ever happens." Well, watch the plays develop. Bruce ventures way too far off the bag <laughs> when balls are hit to that side of the field. That's not that because playing first base is not instinctual for him. Well, that's so part noticed, of the the problem. I mean, that's so I've, I've noticed that about him, which is something that happens with guys that don't play that you know don't really play first base. They'll veer too far off the bag. You know, your first baseman. I think what do you have? You have only a handful of steps that you can make to go make a play, and then your job is to get back to first base. Yeah. So I mean, it it all depends too on on who's. On who's on base, too, because if there's a runner on second and it looks like the ball might get through, then the pitcher is really going behind the catcher in case that ball gets into the outfield to back up the throw. 
if there's no one on base and you're playing off the bag a little, maybe you can go after that ball because you know the pitch, the pitcher's move is to come over and cover first. Those are things that when you don't play first base every day, sure, you can take a thousand ground balls at first. You can scoop the ball, whatever, and, and make it look, you know, easy in a sense. But those are the circumstances that if you're not playing every day, if that's not a position that you're too familiar with, you're not thinking of those things. So, like, he does venture off the bag too much. And then, he, you know, I personally, for someone who hasn't played first, though, I think Bruce does a does a pretty good job. I think he's made some very difficult plays look easy. I do. He hasn't been a disaster over there, which is all you're really hoping for right now. Right. That's it. You know, but... but- to Glaber to the point with Glaber mm. Torres, he's also not hitting right now, which we always said about Miguel Andujar. We dealt with the defense in 2018 because the guy was tearing the cover off the ball. You know, if Glaber Torres is going to be this defender and he's not going to be a, a 280 hitter with you know 35 home run power, uh, what good is he? Like honestly, I love Glaber Torres, but like what if you're not going to hit and play this defense? I mean. And, and you got to, this is a very, we said it, this is a very pivotal year for Glaber Torres because look at all the shortstops that are going to be on the open market. And you can say, oh, the Yankees luxury, they reset the luxury tax. If they really want to go out there and get Corey Seager, they'll go and do it. I'll they'll tell you what, that's why it. they did it. That's why they did it to, to at least drive up the market. Um, and you don't think all these teams, you know, Real, realistically, is Corey Kluber going to be here next year, regardless of whether he has a great year? Probably not. And you're going to have to go out there and fill a hole in the rotation. All these guys that are, that you're calling up, can we have Glaber Torres? Fuck yeah, you can, because I'm going to get Seager now. So, I mean, really, this is a big year for Glaber Torres. If he wants to be a Yankee, he's got to get his – I mean, I don't want to say his head's in his ass, but he's no, got to – he's got to – It I is. I mean – Look, here's how I put it. I I tweeted this out and it gained some traction that I'm I I truly believe Glaber Torres could be a superstar. I'm not doubting that. But like we said a few weeks ago, this is the year we hold him accountable. We don't baby him anymore. And right now I'm I'm skeptical. And, and as everyone should be. He hasn't given us anything to be optimistic about. And my one of my buddies tweeted back at me and says, how do we hold him accountable? And he said, you bend him over and you spank his ass with a wooden spoon until he says, uncle. Like, what do you mean? You hold him accountable by not making excuses for him as a fan. So I'm watching that, and it's like, maybe last year I would have been like, you know what, he doesn't really play. You know, they moved him from second to short. And, you know, give the kid a break. He's only 22, 23, whatever. He'll come around. This kid's a stud, whatever. But this year, it's like I watch that, and I'm like, no, you got to fucking make that play, man. Because here's 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 where the bar was set. The last shortstop we were told was a superstar came up and hit him and hit his uh, home run in his debut, and then from there won how many championships? What was it? Five total. The guy fucking was the face of New York. In Derek Jeter. I'm not comparing Glaber Torres to Derek Jeter. All I'm saying is, all we've heard for the last handful of years is that this kid's a superstar. Well, when is that happening? When is that going to happen? Because the kid I'm watching out there now, 
is not a superstar and don't use his age as an excuse. A superstar is a superstar. Chris, he's been in the league four years now. A I mean, superstar is a superstar. We got to see. I mean, he's got to take a big step forward this year. I'm not saying the Yankees should just get rid of him if he doesn't, but I mean, the Yankees are going to have, it's think it's like this stuff. It's, you don't want to say that the universe is pre-planned, but it's funny how this stuff works out. Like this is a, a very pivotal year for Gleyber Torres and the Yankees are going to have any, a plethora of options to replace them if they, if they change their opinion on them. So, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. So, uh, it's, I don't know, man. It's just, I, w- I want to see Glaber flourish here. I, I really do. But like, Hey, if he's not, he can't carry. And I think Sal mentioned this. You can't carry the defense to the plate, which it seems like he's doing. Cause it's like, and Gary Sanchez does the same thing. I don't need two of the same guy yeah. on the team doing the same thing where Gary fucks up behind the plate and he's trying to hit a 900 foot home run. He's trying to hit the proverbial five run home run, which doesn't, you know, we obviously it doesn't exist, but that's the old saying. Glaber Torres, it seems now is trying to do the same thing. He's not playing well defensively. So now I got to hit a home run every time. Instead of just and and what was the thing on Glaber Torres when he came up and, and hit all those home runs? That was a shock to everybody. Guys that had followed him and scouted him because they said he they never thought he had that type of power. So go back to being the gap to gap hitter, a guy that uses all fields, and then and then you'll hit your home run. So it's just like it's like that thirty eight home run season was almost like a curse for him. Insane. Yeah, you know, there's, look, there's positives and negatives when it comes to a guy, guys like Torres and, and Gary. You can sit here and say it's mental. I mean, all of this is mental. The talent's there. They just need to find it. But then there's only so long you can say that for. There's only so long that you can hang on that because it gets to a point where, just like I said, the Yankees, you know, the Yankees coming out and beating around the bush with everything gets old. Well, this game gets old, too. Of like, how long are we just going to accept that this is a mental thing and the talent's there? Well, you got to put it all together at some point. If you can't put it together mentally, you're never going to put it together. So my thing with Torres at this point is exactly what you said. Everyone's coming out and saying, you know, and I'm not saying people are defending Glaber as much as they're just trying to be, you know, realistic in, in the situation and saying, you know, well, the guy's... You know, the Yankees don't think he's really a shortstop. Well, well, yeah, but guess what? That throw isn't what the Yankees were concerned about. The Yankees are concerned about his range, his his left to right as a shortstop. That throw was, that play was right in front of him. You make that play. And on top of that, whether we want to, you know, hold our breath when a ball gets hit to him at shortstop, at least we know he's a great hitter, right? Well, he's not giving us that either. So it's like, obviously something's off and it needs to click and it needs to click soon. Not for us, not for the Yankees, because it'll be just fine. But for, but for Gleyber Torres to actually come into him, to his own and, and be the player he's, he was meant to be out there. All right, so two quick things before we wrap up the show here. The Yankees traded for Ruth Neto Door the other day. Uh, I like pop, this pop. move. I, I love this move. Uh, I don't love it. I like it. A lot of Yankee fans were like, oh, why would you do that? Well, I mean, you want to know why they would do this? I'll tell you why they would do this. 2017, I'm sorry, 
Am I looking at the right thing? 2016, 33 home runs. 2017, 30 home runs. 2019, 30 home runs. And last year, in 38 games, he hit 10 home runs. And the guy is only 27 years old. And now you're going to tell me, well, why don't you tell me what his, o- his, his OPS is? It's fucking horrible, okay? In 2016, 798. Then it was 649, 751, 721, 623. It's not good. I get it. He's an all-or-nothing type player. But guess what? This team has no left-handed power at all. I mean, and Aaron Boone today on the fan said that he's he needs Hicks in the three-hole because he's got to break. Ugh. I mean, he... What did Aaron? What did Poon say? He said it's not a hitting competition; it's a scoring competition, and he likes having three guys like Lemayu, Judge, and Hicks on in front of uh, Stan Glaber and Frazier. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what he said. There's only today. one problem: they got to get on. I mean, Hicks, is- right? And he said that he's not going to over again. He dealt, he said it, and we said this on Sunday show. He's not going to overreact to six games. And he said that when we're done, he feels that Aaron Hicks is a guy that's going to get on 36 to 39% of the time, which is fair. It is. I got to say it's, it is. Can we, can we dissect the uh, roof net door move real quick? Cause yeah, I, I look, even if he didn't have those home run numbers, he punched Jose Bautista. Yeah. In the right. Face. My, one of my most hated players, but look, can we just break it down in this sense? What's the reason? Because I can think of a few, you know, mainstream reasons as to why this could happen. One of the most obvious, if again, assuming he's going to play a role on this on this team, is they're getting ready just in case Voight is behind. They can't have. I don't think they want uh, Bruce out there every single day. No, Lemayu will play first and Odor will play second. Right. Or doesn't Odor play short? No, he plays third. He plays a little third. Oh, he doesn't didn't play any. Oh, so I guess it was a shift or something when he was at second base. I th- I thought he was playing short a little. Boone mentioned third base today. He didn't say anything about shortstop. So now the other one was that something you brought up with Gio's arm. Right, but I thought it looked fine last night. Yeah, it did. I didn't bring I I didn't bring it up i saw somebody bring it up on on uh on the tweeter on the tweeter roof net odor has never played anything but second base and dh in major league in in the major leagues he played a little third base in spring training before he got dfa all right so then year. are if you're jay bruce are you are you sitting there thinking okay this is a move to clearly push me out if i don't start hitting the ball at least Hey, you know what? If Voight wasn't hurt, he wouldn't be here right now. So I, I mean, he's, he's got to know that his roster spot is, you know, is tenuous at best. I uh, here's what it comes down to. Glab- no, no risk. There's no risk. There's no, 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 no. Why yeah, everybody was no. freaking out about it. There's no risk involved in it. No, in I fact, can't Yankees- stand when people freak out about Cashman's no risk, high reward moves. He's under contract through next year. And apparently the Yankees don't even have to pay the veteran minimum to bring him on. There's no, there's no financial risk at all. Although now the, the one guy that I think they had left over from the Sonny Gray trade went back to Texas. So basically the Yankees traded, if you want to look at it like that, the Yankees traded Sonny Gray for roof net door. So <laughs> see, I thought, I thought he played a little shortstop. So my other thing was going to be, I remember a time when Tyler Wade was the, at least the go-to pinch hitter. Pinch and runner. pinch runner, sorry. 
And uh, and he lost it's that Mike, spot to Talkman. No, it's Mike Talkman. Rightfully so. Rightfully so, because he's a fucking beast around the bases the other night, last night. Um, but I thought maybe they're just really pushing out Wade and, and Odor could at least be that up-the-middle guy uh, for depth. And Tyro Estrada got a designated for assignment. So I, Tyler Wade must know where the bodies are buried. That's the only thing I could say. Hey, you never know. Uh, and uh, we'll wrap up the show on this. And I got I tweeted this last night, and it blew up while I was sleeping. Uh, you, you, you people are so dense, like seriously dense. I'm tired of having this this argument with people. I don't hate the extra inning rule seriously. because it cost the Yankees. It, I don't even think you can't even say it cost the Yankees two games. I don't hate the extra inning rule because the Yankees lost two extra inning games. I hate the rule because it's a fucking joke. It's a joke. It, I'm sorry. It, it, and I'm and I, I was I went back and forth with a lot of people today. It you you can't bring you can't be bringing in the Yankees don't hit and run a scoring position. The Yankees don't. The Yankees have no approach at the play. The Yankees don't play small ball. You bitch the Yankees don't. Here's the funny thing though, Chris. You bitch the Yankees don't play small ball. They butt in the eleventh inning, and then you're like, "Who? Oh, why would you give up an out?" Yeah. The rule is horrible. Regard. The rule is just. It's a horrible rule. It it it's. It's it's just it's just bad. I hate it. I I hate the rule. I don't care if the Yankees won these two games because I tweeted it in February. I tweeted it right after the ninth inning. So these are clearly two instances where I had where my mind was not affected by the outcome of a game. No, because you can't blame as much as we hate the rule. Let's make something clear. We're not blaming the rule for any loss or any win. We're because. Both teams have the same opportunity. So we're not saying that. That that imaginary runner, which is what that is, is there for both teams. And if one team can score it and the other team can't, well, the the playing field's even at that point. Here, and my boy Don Sicario backed me up today. He said these guys have been talking about this for months. There's nothing to do with yeah, uh, months. With, the, with any games. So, like, here's something. I'm t- sure we ranted, and I'm sorry to cut you off. No, I'm sure we, because I couldn't find a tweet to back this up, but I'm sure we ranted about it on the show we while did. we were waiting for the seasons to start last year. We did. We said how much of a joke it was. But here's something that I I kind of came, came across last night. It was the first time I really started thinking about the rule because I just like to, I like to lie to myself and pretend like it isn't actually a professional a professional uh, sport using this, uh, an imaginary runner at second base like this. But I started thinking about it. I'm like, do the pitchers get charged and earn run? And, and no, they do not. So then my brain went to, okay, so major league baseball themselves is admitting that the team scoring the run isn't even earning it. So now what, what are we doing? It's an unearned run. It's an unearned <laughs> run. Like, think if that doesn't tell you everything exactly. you need to know about the rule right there, I don't know what exactly. other better case that we can make for it. Oh, you scored the winning run? Did you earn it? No. Oh, so someone made an error? No. Uh, what happened? Well, you see, uh, Gio Urshela, he made the uh, he made the last out, the last inning. So we, you know, last out goes to second, and then he scored, and then we won. It was wasn't earned. Okay, little league, little league baseball. You have no problem with Gio getting sent last night, right? 
Absolutely not. No. No. I, and you got to do it. Bother to get, I, I didn't even bother getting into it. I saw a lot of people complaining about it on social media. You no, have you got to do, do it. it. You have to. You got to do it. It's, it. it's the right play 100 times out of 100. You have to do it. Right. So all I'm going to say to close out the show is this. This is the beauty of baseball. There's no clock. Baseball ends when baseball ends. Now, is a 14, 15, 16, 20 inning game ideal? No. Do I sit down at the do I sit down to watch a Yankee game and say, oh, I hope this game goes 20 innings? No. I want it to end in nine. I I'll be the first to admit that. But that's the beauty of the game. There's no clock. It ends when it ends. So if you you, you shouldn't be trying to force the game to end. That's no. not baseball. No, it's not anything. I mean, it's not anything. I just, it, it's, man, it's equivalent to like football in overtime. If they let one of the receivers go halfway downfield without the defense being anywhere and he gets like a head start, like that, that's what it is. Right, it's like you cannot cover the receiver in overtime until he's uh, 30 yards past the line. Of Co- right, correct. That's literally, like, and it's like, oh, we'll speed up the game. Well, you know, essentially, maybe you're prolonging the game. Maybe you're prolonging the game. Four hours last night. Because <laughs> it's just so idiotic. It's so idiotic. But beyond that, beyond the actual logical reasoning behind it, just the fact that a that a professional sport has implemented a rule like this, there's only one word to describe it, and it's it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment. If you truly love the game, you are embarrassed every time that runner goes out there, whether your team wins from it or loses from it. It's an embarrassment. Right, man. Uh, I, I, I don't want to argue with anybody about it anymore. It sucks. It's a stupid rule. And I know Aaron Boone said he didn't mind it today. Uh, and I get it from a – look, I, you got to be fair about things. I get it from a manager's perspective where they're, they're kind of being told these, these will shorten up games and, you know, want to – and he looked at it like, you know what, if I got a 20-inning game, I might have to send down a guy that I don't really want to send down. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But if it's, it's just terrible. It's the worst thing that I've ever seen happen to this sport. Uh, and it's got to go. It really has to go. I don't want to see it ever again. Please give me ties. I say this all the time. I think that a tie is the worst thing you could do to a Major League Baseball game, but give me a tie. Tell me we're going to play one inning past the ninth. We'll play 10 innings if there's a tie. After the ninth inning, we'll give you one inning to try to win, and then that's it. And you know what I'll say? There's no gimmick involved. Game's over. That's it. There's over. A, I don't want gimmicks in this game. I'm sorry. I don't. Agreed. The next thing you know is that they're going to put the orange base on. Remember, you know, the yes, orange base. Yes, they were talking so about it. They were talking about it, Christian. They've already oh, talked about it. Oh, my God. Please save it. Please. And I don't want to hear. Look, and old man yelling at the cloud, right, Chris? And they're going to say demographics and younger viewers. I don't care. Go Fuck play your video them. games. Leave my game alone. Fuck <laughs> Leave them. my game alone. Here's the thing. They're not even looking at the, st- the statistics. Uh, baseball is a dying sport in a lot of America. Kids aren't kids aren't going out there just because you're now that you've thrown a fucking runner on second. 
Do you think that little Johnny, who's seven years old, is sitting there saying to himself, Daddy, I want to play baseball because they stuck a runner at second base? Oh, this game didn't go as long. Uh, I want to play now. No. Like, you have much more fundamental problems with growing this game and having the next generation of guys, of kids coming to play this game than how long the game takes. I'd say it all the time. It's not about the length of the game. It's about the pace of the game. It's... No, no, no. They're two completely different things. People confuse length and pace all the time. Listen, here's something, and I'll end on this. You're worrying about pace of the game, worrying about pace of the game, implementing rules, and what's it doing? It's alienating a lot of your fan base, and, and, and a lot of the true loyal fans are sitting there and saying, fuck this, this isn't the sport that I love. I'm not watching the sport I love anymore. And what does that do? People will say, oh, well, fuck you. You're older. You got to get with the times. Well, no. Think of it this way. Why do we all love baseball? Why do we love Why do you love baseball? Why do you love the Yankees? It's, it's generational. Okay. So if generations now, if our generation is sitting here going, fuck this, I can't watch this sport anymore. You think my kids yes, are going to watch gonna it? Wa- is your son and daughter going to watch baseball? If no. You stop watching baseball? No. Oh, exactly. So, so if I don't love it, if I don't love it, my kids aren't going to love it. I'll give you an eight and a half on that one. I better get a fucking nine on that. I'll give you an eight and a half. Okay. I if I don't to, love I don't the sport, want, I matter most right now. I don't want your ego to get out of control. I'm just saying, if we don't love it, they don't love it. And then you don't. No, right. That's why I gave you an eight and a half on that. Baseball is not a sport that you watch and that's, say, oh my God, Batman this is. Begins this is so entertaining, this sport. I can't wait to keep watching it. No, you lo- you watch baseball because it's in your fucking blood. It's in your blood. You watch the sport for a reason. And the fact that you're turning off the fans that truly love this game and pass it on from generation to generation is what's exactly what's killing it. So think of it that way. Jesus. Yeah, Manfred, you friggin' jerk. You fucking idiot. That's what you are. I'm on the wrong series here. I'll tell you what. I'd call him a fucking idiot right to his face if he came on our show. Right. Uh, so the Yankees are playing the Rays at home on April 16th. That's my five-year wedding anniversary. I'm just saying, you know. If my what if I got love- What if I got you tickets or someone got you? T- let's say your cousin got you tickets on your anniversary. My wife really loved me, you know. She gave I don't want to. I don't want to be blamed for bullying women, but I'm just saying. Anyway, let's look ahead here Uh, tomorrow or later today because this will drop Friday morning. It's the Tampa Rays home opener. The Yankees will be there. Uh, 310 start, so keep that in mind. Uh, It'll be Corey Kluber against uh, Dick Mountain. I think that's what they call him. Rich Hill, they call him Dick Mountain. Uh, So it's Kluber. The Klubot will make a second start for the Yankees. And then Saturday and Sunday are 110 uh, starts. Uh, Herman versus Chris Archer, who's back. I mean, Jesus, you talk about fleecing a team. Even though Archer, I never thought Archer was that good to begin with. But you want to talk about fleecing a team? You get Glass now and Meadows, and then Archer winds back <laughs> Ray yeah, anyway. I know. Uh, and then they'll close out the series on Sunday. Jordan Montgomery uh, will back up, hopefully, back up his stellar first start, but a stellar second start. With uh, this guy, again, every year this guy gets around, man. We don't know how he's able to uh, be on so many teams, but TBD will start for the Rays on Sunday, and then we'll Give be me back. Some Sun- TBD. And then we'll be back uh, Sunday night, hopefully talking about another series win. This is what we talked about last week, you know, last episode. You didn't like the Yankees' loss at Toronto. 
you know what, win a series. They did. You don't like that they couldn't sweep, but you know what, win series, win, win series. series. They stack add up. the just stack them up throughout the course of the year. You'll be where you want to be. So again, we want to thank Sal Akata for jumping on with us. Please check uh, Sal out on WFAN overnights and after uh, Mets games on SNY. Uh, and uh, please follow us on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. Uh, like we said, best, easiest way to support the show, five-star rating review. Tell a friend, phone a friend, pick up this thing here. It's not just for texting. You can call people on it to say, hey, have you heard the NYY Sports Talk podcast they had on Salicata? It was fucking awesome. And that's it. So thank you very much for listening to episode 224. Go Yank, Chris, say goodbye. <laughs>